0: everyone to the wkif wrestling network my name is max and i am a lifelong wrestling fan this is the show where we bring on somebody who is not a lifelong wrestling fan and we talk about an old wrestling show with them and let me introduce my co-host to you the man of the hour the man with the power to so wait to be sour it's former gwf announcer craig johnson in the words of killer carl
1: Krupp, i would like to say hello to the audience at large today and uh killer carl croup has now become my my guilty pleasure watching his interviews if you ever get an opportunity please enjoy killer Karl croup
0: thank you so much for introducing me to killer Karl croup it is it is a bad wrestling
1: fan's uh dream <laughs> um and our guest is hailing from Long Island, New York, towering at a height of five foot six from the last Godstanding podcast. She will kill you with Stargate Trivia, so you better know your SG1 from your Atlantis or Infinity. This is Teresa.
2: Woo! <laughs> hey, we got a Ric Flair woo out of that. That's pretty I'm nice. That's right. It makes up for the fact that his match was not on that (laughs) videotape. Yes. (laughs) That was, (laughs) yes.
0: That brings us to what we watched this week, which was NWA Final Conflict from 1983. It is one of the uh, great uh, territory shows. It's uh, from Greensboro, North Carolina, which would make it a mid-Atlantic show on station WXII, Channel 12 in Greensboro. Or no, that's in Winston-Salem um (laughs) you listened to the ring announcer didn't you (laughs) i did Um,
1: (laughs) ladies and gentlemen watch mid-atlantic championship wrestling every week (laughs) (laughs) um but yes it is
0: live from the greensboro uh coliseum and i want to thank uh youtuber for wrestling fans for uploading this show um There is some issues with, if you watch the show on YouTube, and I guess it's because WWE owns the rights uh, to all that content, so he had to do some editing, which, Craig, you did some research on that, so we'll talk about that as it comes up. Um, Mm. So there's like, at least uh, preserved on what we have, there's no credits, we just get right into the ring announcer telling us that uh, it's the Mid-Atlantic NWA show in Greensboro.
1: Now, this was before the days of pay-per-view. I mean, before anybody even thought of putting wrestling on pay-per-view. And this was a supercard that was was. literally for months and months on Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling built up for one match. And that match Mm. was Sergeant Slaughter and Don Kernodal. And if you haven't heard of Don Kernodal, you don't know Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling because that was the only place he ever wrestled against Ricky, not going to be the dragon for a few more years, Steamboat, and (laughs) his partner, Jay Youngblood, who along with Mark Youngblood was the uh, great tag team that I got to work with in the Global Wrestling Federation called the Renegade Warriors. Yes. We're talking about a match that had been built up for months. And it it took place at the Greensboro Coliseum, as you mentioned. The Greensboro Coliseum currently holds about twenty thousand people. At that time it held about seventeen thousand people. And the story was that they turned away six thousand people for this show. That will give you an idea of how big this show was. And the reason there wasn't any credits and the reason there wasn't any fancy graphics or any replays is it was literally taped for potential use on Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling in the upcoming week so they could show this amazing event that happened. So Bob Caudle did the play-by-play by by himself until he was interrupted by, uh, excuse me, joined by David Crockett. (laughs) 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 We'll be talking about David Crockett for a while.
0: That explains yes. so much. That explains so much because there is there's, it's okay. So, I get it. This is and this is what weekly television looked like back then. You know, you'd do promos in the studio, and then the announcer would say, "And now let's take you to last week when uh, Rick Harris fought Mike Rotundo." Right. Um, you know, and then they'd show that match. Right. So, okay, that makes so much sense. And it's funny you mentioned that this was before pay per view. Um. I was actually thinking about it while I watched this. This was eight months maybe before Starcade. Yep. Which was technically not on pay-per-view. It was on closed-circuit Close circuit, television. Yeah. Um, but it was really the first show where wrestling companies went, there's a market for supercards to be, because like one of the big uh, appeals to um, Starcade was home video rental was mm-hmm. booming all of a sudden. So they went, So anybody that can't get to, you know, uh, a movie theater and see the closed circuit feed of Starcade, we can sell it on videotape.
1: And what Um, this what this particular show was, was a um, this tape allegedly was from Private Jim Nelson, who was one of the wrestlers on the card. Yep. And he was able to get the master tape from the uh, Jim Crockett Promotions Productions mm. and kept it for himself, which is why after the tape, you see a whole bunch of random things that include a lot of Jim Nelson, uh, oh. Jim Nelson uh, matches. It was his reel. It was his reel. So, um it's, it's great that it, it lasted, and it's great that somebody had it, but you know that it had to be somebody that had direct connections to the promotion because, yeah. obviously, this was a two-camera shoot. There was a news camera at ringside from WXII, yep. which you could actually see the big camera with the guy carrying the three-quarter tape deck around yep. him. Uh, and it was, it's just so fascinating that this was, and I, I want to bring Teresa in here because this isn't just me and Max talking, but <laughs> this was wrestling before most people remembered wrestling. Yep.
2: I did take uh, quite a bit of uh, notation about the two-camera situation. Uh, mm-hmm. I was wondering if this was like a, a common theme in the early 80s. I was like, well, maybe they saved all the special camera work for the WWF at the time. And they were like, sorry, NWA, here's your two cameras now, beat it.
0: <laughs> sort of. NWA saw it more as a sport. Mm, WWF it saw it, more, like it Right. WWF saw it as a TV show. Oh,
2: and, well, That makes yeah. sense.
1: And it wasn't until World Class Championship Wrestling came to existence, which was in the early 1980s, uh, that you would have a three camera shoot. Most of which was the camera from the actual ringside. Yep. Most of the times, this was pretty much the Memphis uh, wrestling production setup where they would do their studio show in uh, the WMC studios, but then they would take a videotape camera and have a usually a one or sometimes a two camera shoot that would be edited together to right. be able to present uh, matches from the Mid-South Coliseum. So this was, the two-camera system was uh, actually an upgrade from what most of them were, which was sometimes just a one-camera show.
2: Oh, terrific. And I noticed also that they only played one song. Now, I know copyright wasn't as rampant a problem as it is today, but they picked the Rocky theme for that cage yep. match. And yep. no one else got music. It was just like whatever elevator music they play at the Coliseum. Well, a and lot of that stuff, again, this was not, as as
0: uh, Craig was saying, this was not, and I didn't realize this, this didn't go out over television. So all that stuff can be added in post-production. Mm.
1: And the uh, and the other thing was that nobody came to the ring with entrance music with very few exceptions. The Freebirds in world class, Jerry the mm-hmm. King Lawler. Uh, came to, uh, to the ring with music, and then the Rock and Roll Express were the ones that really made it popular. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this was back in the days where your ring announcer, and uh, you, we, we see it a little bit later when Dick Slater decides to show up eventually for his, his match. I love that. <laughs> the, the ring announcer just, that was the ring yeah. entrance. It wasn't anything big. Yeah, that was another
0: <laughs> innovation uh, of Vince McMahon's where, uh, you know, he realized, instead of using licensed music, I can pay a composer and save money. Mm. Um, oh, we went through money.
1: a lot of production music at the Global Wrestling I'm Federation. sure.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. Okay, so yes, the first batch is Ken Timus. I'd never Ken heard Tims. of. Ken Timms. Ken Timms. I'm sorry, I couldn't read my own writing there. Ken Timms and Gerald Briscoe. Oh, wait, Ken Timms is already in the ring when we stand for the National Anthem. Um, and I don't know who that ring announcer was, but I loved his suit.
1: His name <laughs> is Dr. Tom Miller, and he was the very famous announcer for Jim Crockett Promotions okay. with that rousing opportunity to be able to talk about the wrestlers at any time.: yes. Yes. He was great. I loved him.:
0: Yeah, I lo- No, I liked him, and his suit was fantastic.) Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: and now, you can tell it wasn't television because he wasn't looking at the camera. Yes,
2: yes, Teresa. Not knowing, like I thought this was for television, I was like, "This is probably mm-hmm. on UHF." Now, my brother is very into wrestling, and he had brought me to a show many, many years ago. Would they have still called this a house show, even though they didn't? Yes, it on because TV? B-
1: yes, because it it wasn't a made-for-television event.
2: Right. Okay. Right. Okay, and well, that explains why. You said before that they didn't really—they were like, not in their finest attire.
1: (laughs) Now you mentioned that Ken—you didn't know who Ken Timms is. We know who Jerry Briscoe is. He's one of the Stooges, and sure, I was—I was was surprised he was
0: not working for WWF by this point.
1: Yeah, no, he—he and his uh, brother were a huge tag team that eventually went heel shortly after this show. Uh, as a matter of fact, some <laughs> you saw the first sight yep. of that uh, yep. uh, in, in the in the DVD extras <laughs> afterwards. <Yep. laughs> The, the, Jim, the Briscoe Brothers heel turn. <laughs> right. But uh, Ken Timms was one half of the fabulous blondes in Southwest Championship Wrestling with a guy by the name of Eric Embry, who would go on to become quite famous in the world-class uh, USWA days. He also was tag team champion in the Central States with one Pork Chop Cash, and then <laughs> then went on to, of all things, to be a big star. In Mexico for the CMLL promotion oh. as Fabuloso Blondie. Oh, okay. I know Fabuloso Blondie, but,
0: <laughs> but now you CML know Ken no. Timms. <laughs> okay. But I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a lucha libre nerd. So, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I liked the match. Uh, forgotten that I had forgotten that Gerald Briscoe was really good when he was young. Um, it's. It's, uh, it's good old school, you know, NWA work.
1: Now, Teresa, having seen mm-hmm. some wrestling in modern days, some wrestling in modern days, mm-hmm. what was it like to watch a match like this?
2: I, I wrote down classic figure four, and I was like, do they yes. still do opening acts? I mean, I really, the entire time I watched it, even up to and including that cage match, I was like, you know... You don't see a lot of this anymore, like just genuine, real, like choreography and yeah. like genuine work being done. Like, it's like there's a lot of flash and costumes, and I brought a staple gun or whatever, whatever. <laughs> and I like really, I really enjoy like the can it can wrestling be nuanced because there's like <laughs> the sure. nuance when there's not a lot to work with when it's just you. Yeah.
1: And when you talk about old-fashioned wrestling, it's uh, you hear so much, and Jim Ross talks about it ad infinitum, and that's because that's what he loves. Yes. But it's the psychology of wrestling, and in old-school, mid-Atlantic, 1980s wrestling, it was all about working one body part and wearing yep. the heck out of it, which yep. is usually the left arm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'll notice that... Uh, In this case, Ken Timms, playing the heel, was working the left wrist, and then he was pulling on the tights to cheat, and there was more Mm -hmm. psychology in the first two minutes of that match than most matches that we see today. Yeah. And the fans were popping at anything that Briscoe was doing. That suplex got a huge pop. Uh And then when he locks in the figure four, you would have thought that was Hulk Hogan doing the leg drop. It was huge. Or yeah. Ric Flair's figure for, for that. Exactly. Yeah. In Greensboro, that would be very appropriate. Exactly. <laughs> what else did you notice? And uh, I'm curious, Terese, if you happen to notice the same thing I did about the crowd. Why was the crowd so interesting when they did cheer?
2: Uh, I don't know why they were. I couldn't see why they were so interested. I mean, outside of that. Jerry Briscoe was the clear good guy, and Ken mm-hmm. uh, Timms was the bad guy. I do notice that they were all held back with a single rope. Yep, held up by the <laughs> tires, yes. Yep. Yeah, I was like, what did they do? You... Put down two cones and like one piece of thread, and they were like, ah, people are yep. respectful. That's yeah. it,
1: pretty much. And this is back in the days when the old lady in the front row would stab Robbie Roddy Piper. Huh? Because yep. when, when he with became heel in the Man- Mid-Atlantic Territory, he <sighs> was stabbed. By an old That's lady crazy. in the front row. Every once
0: in a while, you'll see an interview with like an old old time wrestler who will call them a hat pin Mary. Yeah, that was well known.
1: But what my point was, so did you notice he, yeah. how high pitched the crowd was?
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: It's because wow. a lot of the crowd was kids.
2: Right. Oh, oh, yes. That I did notice yeah. that there were a yeah. lot of kids there. Not as many. <laughs> yeah. Uh, adults.
1: It, and, and you'd have the screaming, especially for like the Ricky Steamboat. And oh, yeah. it, then the, the, the um, when we would have the announcements that we'll talk about later, that y- it, mm-hmm. was, it was the people who were popular with the kids. Sure. And so mm-hmm. it, it's not the wrestling fans you think of today. It's, it's right. going yeah. back to the early John Cena days of kids, kids. loving wrestling. Yeah. In the kids Mid-Atlantic Territory
2: still do but I mean I can also see that circles you know sure kids go to those matches
0: I mean I I can see that um I know kids aren't like left on their own anymore but even like I would have been seven when this show aired and around that time like if I lived in a safe walking around city like Greensboro and I've been to Greensboro it's a very nice city um I could see maybe not at seven, but like at nine or ten. Me, you know, my mom giving me two bucks and, you know, going to the wrestling show for the afternoon. I could see that, you know. Sure.
2: (laughs) Especially if you just get dropped off. When I was back in my day, I'm very old, Hmm. you see. Uh, Parents used to not my parents. We were poor, but other people's parents used to get dropped off at fancy concerts at Jones Beach and stuff, and the parents would just (laughs) buzz right off. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't get to go to. Goodbye. Don't get dead. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> yep. I, I
1: went to my first shows when I was about fifteen and sixteen at the old right. Charleston County Hall, which was Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, <laughs> nice. and so uh, I got to watch these guys at this exact same time. Uh, although oh, so cool. in 1983 I would have been a junior in college, uh, okay. but it was um, it, it was so amazing to go to County Hall with their. There are floor seats and balcony. It was just either the floor or you sat in right. the balcony, and the sound system. That memory sounded like this, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in this corner from Charlotte, North Carolina, Rick Flair. And <laughs> I mean, and the hot dogs were were hot dogs, and the popcorn was popcorn. Right. I mean, it was it was great yeah. times.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, so yes, Gerald Briscoe wins this one with the figure four leg lock and then we get an announcement for a super card coming up on easter sunday um i noticed that mid-atlantic likes to do to their uh super cards on holidays because
1: starcade was on thanksgiving um and in world class they would do it at thanksgiving and on christmas day and here is right. the reason why after you have your thanksgiving dinner or your easter sunday dinner or your mm-hmm. Christmas dinner. There's not a lot to do. So you go
0: watch wrestling. And you it. go watch yeah.
1: wrestling. And those yeah. were always the most successful shows every sing- single year. Especially the Thanksgiving and Christmas.
0: Everybody refers to the very first Royal Rumble as a pay-per-view. But it wasn't. It went over uh, the USA Network on Thanksgiving Day. You are correct, sir. Because, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> um, WWE knew they or F at the time, knew they'd have the ratings. Um All right, so yes, there's an announcement coming up. Uh, There's a Supercard coming up on on Easter Sunday. And on this show, uh, Gerald and Jack Briscoe will be taking on Dory Funk Jr. and Paul Jones, which should be an exciting match. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And then let's bring up our next match, Rick Harris versus our old friend Mike Rotundo.
1: I As ba- Mike Rotundo, I put baby Mike Rotundo. <laughs>
0: yeah, really. He's not even the captain <laughs> yet. That's my favorite thing about Mike, R- Mike Rotundo ever. Do you remember in like around the time uh, WCW stopped being an NWA show and started becoming its own yeah. thing? Yeah. Uh, one of the Clash of Champions, he introduced a stable which, where he was, you know, and it was like legitimate athletes, and he yeah, was the, the varsity captain. Club. Right. Yeah. Right the varsity Club and he was the captain of the wrestling team, and then just for whatever reason he became the captain of a boat. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> got my he was got Captain Mike, Mike Rotundo. Got but like, Mike he came to the <laughs> rotundo. Um, and Rick Harris would actually go on to become someone, okay otherwise known as Black Bart, who did oh, a lot okay. of things in world class in at mid yeah. atlantic, but yeah, no, this Black was this was before uh, Rick Harris. This is back when Rick Harris had quite a build, according to Bob Coddle <laughs> and, and and Rotundo had quite a build, so let's keep track of the builds <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, my favorite Bob Coddle quote of the whole match is right here of the whole show is right here: mm-hmm. Deliberate advantage will give you to your advan- will work to your
1: advantage <laughs> <laughs> and by the way do, uh, le- befo- be- I keep on hitting my desk and my apologies uh, before we uh, get. Th- uh, the ring announcements the referee Sonny Fargo, boo. Sonny Fargo. <laughs> he got one of the biggest boos of the yeah, night. He did.
2: was he an especially bad ref where he got knocked out a lot or people like got no, him out of the just, ring they
1: did not well to, to, it was Tommy Young and Sonny Fargo and Tommy Young was actually a really popular guy because he would usually make sure that you know the good guys didn't get away with things Sonny Fargo was just Sonny Fargo. (laughs) I'm out here. That's a three count. (laughs) So uh, I I think it's, uh, you know, people, boo referees. and Yeah. Boo! So uh, between the builds, Teresa, of of Rick Harris and Mike Rotundo, which build was more interesting to you? (laughs)
2: Like physically? Because, like, I thought Mike Rotundo was hotter if we're wondering who's hotter here. Yeah, okay. And that airplane K- K- really help sell that. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal Craig's gimmick here for a minute and uh, tell Teresa who Mike Rotundo is.
2: Uh-huh. Uh
0: huh. Besides being Captain Mike Rotundo, Cap Mike,
1: he, Cap Mike, he, Cap, Mike <laughs> Cap Mike Rotundo, he was also
0: Erwin R. Scheister in the WWF. IRS.
2: Oh really? Yep. Oh, that's, now, him I'm familiar, I'm familiar with that character where, like, he was in that suit and everything, he got better looking as he got older, too, so I'm like, well, I'm right, he is hotter. (laughs) Hey, Max, Max, give me the
1: tag, give me the tag, okay, thanks, Uh, I'll I'll steal my gimmick back and tell you that Mike Rotundo is also known as dad to one Bray Wyatt. Eater of Worlds. And Mr. Bo
0: Dallas, but nobody ever mentions him. Um. <laughs> I thought that would get more of a
2: reaction from Drew. Right, no, I, I uh, see I him. If... I see his big beard. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I love the test yeah. of strength that started this one. <laughs> you know, yes. the, 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 the ever present test of strength. Really? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I remember them, and I remember how how much, of a, how much drama went behind them. Yep. But you look back today and you're like, I fell for this? <laughs> well, it
0: does put over Mike Rotundo's legit you know, amateur wrestling background, but it's still
1: exhausting to watch. <laughs> um. And that left wrist-a-lock by, by Rick Harris. Yeah. He, uh, the way he was just holding the wrist... Yeah, uh, the devastating way that he would s- turn that wrist around, and it was still the exact same way it was supposed to be. Just no. oh, I just couldn't take it. It, it was it, it made me feel like I wanted to give up. And then when we had the body slam and the leg drop, and Hulk Hogan wins. Oh wait a minute, <laughs> he, that wasn't Hogan. <laughs> that was Mike Rotundo. Actually, that was that was Harris trying his finisher, but Mike Rotundo wins with the. Airplane spin. There you go. The oldest of the old school. Um,
0: Yeah, no, that was. I remember watching that and going, "When was the last time I saw an airplane spin?" And then I realized it was this year at WrestleMania. But, uh, (laughs) Teresa, have you
2: ever
1: been put in an airplane spin? Have
2: I? No. Have you ever? No, but I saw uh, one. uh, You what? I saw when my my brother. Did all that. Like he used to practice his moves on me, Mm -hmm. but he never practiced an airplane spin, but he used to suplex me a lot. (laughs) (laughs) My mom hated it. (laughs) Now,
1: was it on the couch, in the pool, in somebody's bedroom? Was it, was it just, uh,
2: did you use padding or was he doing it on the floor? Uh, It was usually on to a bed. Uh, mm-hmm. but when I would go with him, like if he was at uh, a gym or something like that, I would let him do it to me in the ring. has. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll email sister. it to you guys uh, later, but he has a picture of his son when he was like nine months old, pinning him <laughs> while he was like, in his full costume. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> wow, somebody has dogs louder than mine.
2: <laughs> That's
1: awesome.
2: Uh, I haven't... I've never, exp- is an airplane, so this is not a common move anymore?
1: Not anymore, no. no, no. It's so, basically oh, you, you, you make your opponent so dizzy that they can't stand up and right. you, you're able to pin them. Yeah. Now we do it on baseball fields and minor league games where we have them spin around a bat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Rotundo wins with the airplane spin, but... Rick Harris gets massive heat just by leaving the ring. Yes. <laughs> and this, this is what you see in house shows that you can't see on television, is a lot of times uh, a lot of stuff will happen after the match is over. And yeah. we get to see that because here's R- Rick Harris just being in there, and sure enough, oh, those are my dogs. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, Don't get me started on the dogs this week. Um, Anyway, but just the amount of heat he gets just leaving the ring. You lost, buddy, but I'm great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty great. Um, And then we get an announcement for, uh, oh, the same Supercard. Here's another match that will be on the the upcoming Supercard. It's the six-man tag of Greg Valentine, the one-man gang, and Sir Oliver Humperdinck against... Bugsy McGraw, <laughs> the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, Yay! and Andre the Giant. Yay! And listeners, you can confirm this on YouTube. It's on tape. The Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, gets a bigger pop than Andre the Giant.
1: Because wow. he
0: I ha- was huge. I had no idea how over he was.
1: He would eventually go into a feud with number one Paul Jones, who was right. <laughs> listed earlier as, yep. <laughs> as the tag team partner of Dory right. Funk. Right. And the, that feud was one of the hottest feuds. And you just, I don't know. Maybe it's the, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Teresa, if you have any ideas of yeah. why this guy would be so popular,
2: <laughs> I don't know. More than Andre the Giant? No, because yeah. my note says Andre the Giant. Are we still talking about, or have we moved on? <laughs>
0: okay. Um, the The bonus features at the end of, of the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that looked like Santa Claus. That's the Boogie Woogie
2: oh. Man, Jimmy Valiant. Okay. Oh. Okay. is he? Um. Yeah. And oh, he glad did I stuck he around for those.
1: <laughs> yeah, he did have. Um, he did have his entrance music, which was sure. ooh-ah, uh, ooh-ah, uh, ooh-ah, uh, diddy, tell us about the boy from New York City. That was his <laughs> entrance <laughs> music.
0: But wasn't that only when he was Charlie Brown from Out of Town? No. Oh, okay. No. That would make sense, because he was not gimmicked as being from New York City. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, he's not from New York City?
0: <laughs> I don't think so. He was, an, he was a local hero, right?
1: Well, he he no, he was from all over the place. I mean, okay. he was in Memphis as well. Right. He went back and forth between be, between being heel and face. Right. And Jimmy Valiant was part of a uh, I don't know if they were work brothers or real brothers, but there was uh, there was Johnny Valiant, and I think right. there was another one, and they all worked together in the WWF. Right. Uh, but it, oh, it, I was wrong. He was built from New York City. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Well, he was Jimmy from New York City, but... Right, okay. Right. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So now Um, we go to the next match, which has
0: a bunch
2: of
1: really old guys (laughs) in it.
2: It's it's Gene Anderson.
0: Gene Anderson and... I think his name is Red Dog Lane. Correct. Okay.
1: And where is Red Dog Lane billed from?
0: I don't remember.
1: Mule Shoe, Texas. Nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's, they're taking on Jimmy Nel- Jim Nelson and Johnny Weaver. And, okay, so Jim Nelson's gimmick was just that he was Sergeant Slaughter's protege.
1: And he was legit USMC. <laughs> Right, And he was, as we mentioned, the guy who brought us this tape. Thank you, Jim Nelson. Thank you very much, Jim Nelson. <laughs> and he was uh, paired with Johnny Weaver, and you, uh, you'd you hear Dusty Rhodes a lot of times. Talk about the Weaver Lock, baby. I'm going to yep. put the Weaver Lock on him, which was a sleeper hold. Yeah, And Johnny Weaver was, along with wrestling number two, probably one of the most popular wrestlers in the early, early days of Mid-Atlantic. And then Gene Anderson was part of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew with his brother Oli Anderson. And so it was really strange to see Gene and some guy who I had never heard of, Red Dog Lane, (laughs) whose name was Larry Lane, and he was actually in the business for 47 years. No. Yes, he was. Wow. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Uh, and then Tommy Young is your referee getting no booze, And, boy, Tommy and Gene go at it in this one. Yep. Yeah, no, this one was uh, – there's a headlock that lasts
0: about four days. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> again, old but, school. Very old school. But the crowd is into it. You well, know? Yes, the they crowd
1: are. is with them every step of the way. Um that, yes. that finger lock. That's oh my, that yes. finger lock. Just the the, um, the amazing strength shown. Yes. Um, and then, well, I, I I have to say, back in this day, I I totally sold for that. I thought it was great. It just yeah. makes me scratch my head now. Um,
2: <laughs> I have
0: to agree. Teresa, thoughts on this one?
2: With the hand holding, yes, <laughs> I got that it was supposed to be like a, like one person's hand is so stretched out that maybe they tap out with their foot or something like right. that. But it went on a little longer than I care right. for. But maybe as a kid, yeah. I probably wouldn't have cared as much.
0: Yeah, no, like I said, there's a headlock too. Um, I don't remember who it is, but somebody has Jim Nelson in a headlock that lasts forever.
2: You said uh, huh. these guys were old by the time they were doing this particular show, right? Correct. correct. Yeah. I wrote down. N- Nelson on a being the note, youngster, actually. <laughs> on a separate note, I wrote down Do you think sleeper holds are like secret breaks if you're getting too tired and you want to keep yes. the show going mm-hmm. a little longer?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> they are also known as rest holds.
2: They were like, Oh, this needs to go on. We're a little older, so this headlock's going to last a little longer. <laughs> you That's are correct. exactly it. That's exactly it. I was like, but yeah, then Jim, I know things.
1: But right. Jim Nelson comes in and he turns into Superman with yep. what I will call, as the Young Bucks might call it, a body slam party. He does. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see body slams like that anymore. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but then G- uh, Gene Anderson pulling off the stuff that he always does. He, he was legit a tough guy. And he was one of the the main guys in Crockett for a long time. Um, Crockett's promotion was known for for these tough guys. I mean, Johnny Weaver, legit tough guy. Jerry Briscoe, legit tough guy. And Jack Briscoe, legit tough guy. You didn't mess with them. And back in these days, and Teresa, with you wrestling with your brother, you will appreciate this. The way you would get into professional wrestling is if you wanted to go try out, you'd show up at whatever gym they happened to have you show up at. And basically for two or three hours, they would put you in a hold that was not a rest hold. They called it stretching. Right. And they would turn you inside and out to the point where all you wanted to do was give up, that there was no way you were going to last. And those people who did last, they got invited back and stretched a little more until they finally would say, okay, maybe this guy's worth having around. But they never let him into the predetermined side of the business, never let him in to any of the backstage things. It would be, well, you're coming in to wrestle in professional wrestling where it's the toughest sport in the world, and... They legitimately wanted to break you to see if you could survive. So oh. thank your brother for not breaking you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you would never. Um, I'd, he'd, I don't think he ever wanted to be like, in pro wrestling, like WWE style. Like, I think right. he just liked being local. Okay. But yeah, um, I'm glad he didn't break me either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great too. fun. <laughs> I was like, this is so much fun. I'm not going to pursue it, but it's fun. <laughs> That's cool.
1: <laughs> I, um, so if I you a... did, um, uh pardon me, Max, continue, and then I'll come uh, come back oh. with it. Uh... No, I was just saying, uh, I have a friend who, who a couple of years
0: ago did it as a hobby. She just went to a local school and, you know, paid them to train her. And it was like, you know, yeah, Saturday nights she'd go. She was a manager, but she wound up winning a belt. It was fun, you know? Yeah. She had no aspirations of, like, being on television
1: um so just yeah so teresa what would your gimmick be what would your character (laughs) be if you were in wrestling
2: oh i don't know there i when i was watching wrestling uh i did watch it in in the late 80s around the time of glow and then Mm -hmm, i picked it mm -hmm. back up in those late 90s early 2000s times like lita and those gals But, like, I didn't notice, like, a tremendous amount of depth <laughs> into their characters. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Like, I guess I would just be a nerd that will kick your ass. Because uh, <laughs> okay. people think that that, I, that is a thing I can do, but it is not a thing I can do. Uh,
1: who is your favorite glow girl? Oh, geez. I don't know. Um, hmm. M- uh, most, most good people would say Americana. Or sure. or mm. um, or Tina uh, Tina Ferrari, Ferrari. Yep. W- who went on to become Ivory. Most bad people would say Nanuchka.
2: Some would say
1: Godiva. Uh, uh, Nanuchka was my favorite. <laughs> she was my favorite. Um, there was
2: my favorite one. wasn't one of the I don't want to say one of the pretty ones, but uh, uh, oh God, her name is so close. Was it one of the heavy metal ones? Heavy yeah, metal. it was. It was um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all gone. Everything were, I've ever known has disappeared out of my brain because you asked. Nice. They
1: were nice <laughs> in their own way. <laughs> <laughs> it was the
0: Road Warriors for Glow. Yeah. I mean,
2: do you remember? There was when like w- a, an older one that was really heavy set. I liked her. Oh, uh, Big Bad Mama. Yes, that oh, uh, was that was uh, yeah. Big Bad Mama. <laughs> That's her name, right?
1: Uh, yeah, Big Bad Mom. Yeah. Uh, and oh God, why is the why is the Polynesian woman's name? Oh yeah, yeah, escaping me. The the one that they all rally around in the documentary. Have you yeah. seen the documentary, Teresa? It's on no, Netflix. No, I haven't. Yeah, there, there is a glow documentary on Netflix. It yeah. is amazing. Netflix been, uh,
0: produced the documentary like in conjunction with producing the series. Yeah. So. Yeah,
1: and it was it was actually produced by Roxy Astor, who is one of the uh, one of the uh, Glow Girls. I, yeah. I I think I mentioned this before. I've actually been fortunate enough to, to work with a couple of the Glow Girls in different yeah. professional capacities, and one is still a friend now, uh, who was uh, who was Jailbait, who would be uh, MTV's sidekick. But yep. I also worked with uh, Tiffany Mellon. Who uh, was the uh, was the one that always wore gold to the ring and was just absolutely fabulous? And we were mm-hmm. we were working together developing a home improvement show where she would basically sit around the bathtub and have hunky guys do the restoration of a house, and she wanted to call it Knockers. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> I thought it would have been a
2: great show.
1: That Unfortunately, we couldn't get anybody show. to
2: buy it. <laughs> oh. Well, what if she, okay, what we, if she had a guest star named Teresa on that show, and I also <laughs> sat in a go. bathtub with her?
0: I was, I was going to say, a couple weeks ago on this show, we had a pro-dominatrix. Yes, we did.
2: Yes, we did. Hmm.
0: I think she'd fund
1: that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Lady Pym, line one. Lady Pym, <laughs> line one. <laughs> okay. Then we oh, get. We're, we're th- talking about wrestling. Uh, Let's go back yes. to that, shall we? Back to
0: talking yes. about wrestling. Okay. Then we get what I thought was a production error, but uh, Craig explained that this was not like one solid show. So um, we
1: hear Bob Cottle say, <laughs>
0: "Well, I'll, all right. If he comes down, I'll introduce him. I'll, I'll say I'm being joined by David Crockett.
1: Um, <laughs> can you tell me okay when he's here? Yeah. So, Wouldn't so, you know so, he's so, here? He's in. The, he's sitting <laughs> right next to you. Yeah."
0: <laughs> tell me he okay when he's here <laughs> um and then another what i thought was production error but again um just uh this B- is not supposed to be behind on TV. the
1: scenes yes yeah
0: um it's a long ass wait for rowdy Roddy piper to get to the ring <laughs> um <laughs> No, let, you, uh, let me go back a little bit. And he comes in with Gary Hart, even though Gary Hart is managing Dick Slater. Yeah, like they, they come in together, and I, I guess that's production. Or no, they would, they would have been more productive of the business M- than that.
1: My guess. And first of all, we had, we had the. Uh, we made sure that the uh, tickets for the big Sunday e- big Easter Sunday spectacular would right would uh, be going on sale during the second intermission, the second intermission, but we'll now have an intermission, which was the first intermission, not the second. Anyway, uh, tremendous booze for Gary Hart, who, who held up uh, the national TV title right uh, for a lot of pictures for all the photographers and we're talking about Bill Apter and, yeah. and Jimmy Suzuki and Linda Rufa, all the all the photographers that would be at every major card and they sure. traveled all over uh, I would see him when they would come to Dallas and it was it was so amazing to have them there but you could tell that Hart was just working that and then Piper <laughs> then Piper does come in and then Dick Slater I think Dick Slater might have thought the match was at the Winston-Salem Coliseum instead of <laughs> the Greensboro Coliseum. Yes,
0: Gary Hart calls for him to come down. Yeah, Dick Slater,
1: come on down, baby! Oh. And, and then Sonny Fargo is talking to Roddy Piper at one yes. point in this. And he's talking... <laughs> you can see him doing this punching motion while he's talking mm-hmm. to Piper. And you yeah. know good and well he's going... You know, I don't know why he's not here either. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then S- Slater finally appears, and it's very, very important, uh, as the, the Dr. Tom Miller would say, ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is one fall with a 60-minute time limit. Yes. Right. Keep that in mind, shall you? I 60 minute time limit mind. I did keep that in mind. I did keep that in mind. And Piper can get yeah. more cheers just oh, yeah. standing there and looking around. He Taking doesn't have to do kilt. anything.
0: He takes off his kilt at one yes. point.
1: Yeah. um mm, He sure does. <laughs> <laughs> a, is that why they call him Roddy Roddy Piper?
2: <laughs>
1: or Randy oh, so Roddy cute. Piper.
2: He is Randy. <laughs> Randy. And this
1: is when Piper was just so over. I mean, oh, yeah. his, his character, you know, he would be known as being a bad guy for a long time. Sure, And the way he would come on and, and have his character changes were so amazing. He was a babyface to the, to the max in, in mm-hmm. Mid-Atlantic. His big match would come a little later when he would take on Greg Valentine in a dog collar match, which oh, is that still match is so considered one of the greatest matches of oh, all time. Oh, it's so good. But uh, Piper's ability to be so likable and then yeah. be able to turn heel and be so dastardly was what made him so special. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Piper being the baby face here. And, uh, uh, Teresa, I'm sure you took note of his tartan boots. Yes. <laughs> he had yes. tartan on his boots. Yes. <laughs>
0: um, but even in this match, like, at one point he gouges um, Slater's eye. Yeah. So, um you know, not completely
1: a baby face. correct? Um, which is great. Well, Slaver uh, attacks him with that towel at the very beginning. Yeah, yes. And, and you notice that it's in the midst of this towel being around his ne- being around Piper's neck that the bell rings to begin the match because Sonny Fargo uh, looks down towards uh, David Crockett who has just arrived and says, mm-hmm. "Ring the bell." Of course, it's another guy ringing the bell. Right, but. Uh, the, the towel started the match. In other words, yep. a guy is cheating as we start the match. Yep.
0: And Sonny Fargo actually attacks Gary Hart to get him out of the yep. ring, which I uh, don't see that much. Um, and then
1: David Crockett arrives. Oh, boy, David Crockett. Now, throughout, and I'm going to, I just want to uh, be able to give you an idea of how i felt while watching this match with david crockett and then i'll follow it up with a conversation i had with scott hudson about david crockett but i will be uh, involved in the description of this match just like david crockett throughout this description (laughs) continue
0: okay um yeah, but this is Right a- there,
1: that's it. Right there. You know, both men you can see their faces. That's uh, both men you can see their faces.
0: Both men you can see their faces. Okay. Okay. Um you know, Bob Cottle is fine, wrestling announcer, but yeah, David Crockett. Oof.
1: That's right, <laughs> you know, that's I mean- right. David Crockett is a wrestling announcer.
0: <laughs> I mean Bill Watts made his son a wrestler. Uh, that's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. He he Bill Watts' son was a wrestler. That's
0: so accurate.
1: Piper's working the wrist. He's working the rest. <laughs> and there's a takedown.
0: Very perfect. Um yes that is and the spinning toe hold was
1: amazing so look at at it look at it look at it bob he's he's amazing
0: he's amazing bob's just trying to get him to watch the match (laughs) calm down (laughs) Uh, you know uh
1: piper with the eye poke there's an eye poke right there that's right that's right yes
0: (laughs) and two duff finishes not one, but two. Doth their finishes?
1: Oh, uh, it, it, 17 minutes! Seventeen, 17 minutes! minutes. Seventeen arguing. minutes! It was seventeen minutes. only seventeen uh, uh, minutes P- Bob. Piper, it was 17 Piper got it minutes. with seventeen minutes with a pin. Did you see that, Bob? That's right. Yes, you're correct. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, we have. Hey, two he went over the finishes. top rope, but it wasn't a DQ. He didn't see it. Sonny Fargo didn't see it because Gary Hart distracted him. Distracted
0: him. Okay. Also, Piper's foot was on the rope. But that's reversed. Oh no! That's he reversed the, the, the decision. First, to, uh, he reversed the, decision, the decision, Bob. Ways. It was amazing. Right. The first decision was reversed because Piper's foot is on the rope, and then the second decision that's right. Was reversed. No, Piper wins the match, but not the belt. That's right. Because
1: seventeen minutes.
0: Was it seventeen he minutes? Was. It was seventeen minutes. <laughs> because. The match has a sixty-minute time limit, but the TV title is only defended for the first fifteen minutes of the match, which they neglected to mention at the uh, at the start of the match.
1: Yes, correct. correct. You—that's yeah, right. That's which- uh. <laughs> now I'll stop. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: But that you, was perfect, by the way, that- You're
0: David Crockett. That- Solid.
1: (laughs) Um, I'm going to go back up here. 14 times he said. That's right. That's correct. Yes, Bob. (laughs) 14 times in the match. Again, I'm going to say it. You know, Jim Crockett could
0: have made his son a wrestler. That would have been worse. Um, (sighs) No, it was his brother. It was his brother. It was his brother.
1: Okay. let's we'll talk about david crockett but the finish was interesting because you actually hear behind the scenes and and david crockett is the one that really pushes it out where he's saying it's 17 minutes It's 17 minutes it's 17 17 minutes minutes.
0: 17 minutes yeah yeah he says it about four times
1: now i went back Mm -hmm. and timed the match Mm -hmm. from From the the bell of the match match to the pin. pin And the match was 14 minutes and yeah. 23 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> Teresa. Yeah. I didn't, get, I didn't give you much of a chance to talk, and I'm not going to be David Crockett here, so tell us your thoughts.
2: <laughs> well, I had to rewind the match to make sure I wasn't insane, and that he said 60, and it wasn't a quality issue where I misheard right. that. And I was 16 like, oh.
1: maybe, I don't
2: know right, I was like um, maybe I'm insane uh, I thought that I thought it was a really good match as far as they go, but I think trying to sell getting your legs caught in the ropes was a little rough looking as far as yeah. like how I saw it like I saw him put his legs through the ropes on purpose and I'm like, that mm, wasn't so smooth buddy <laughs> He could have been smoother with that. And he runs out of the ring a lot, so I guess that's part of his uh, heel thing, where he doesn't fight fairly or he runs away because he's a coward or whatever. Right. Exactly. The cowardly heel. Mm. Now. classic.
1: Now I will share something with you, because uh, while watching this match, I texted Scott Hudson, who is the former... Uh, WCW announcer for Thunder and also did uh, Monday Nitro and was the WCW announcer for the WWF's only WCW presentation, (laughs) which was one match. Um, And I said to Scott, now you have to realize, and this isn't a story I've told on this podcast, but it's, it's a fun story is that Scott Hudson, Steve Prezak, myself, a guy by the name of Lou Ladinsky, and then we had, uh, since there was, there was another Steve, we called him Steve Printing and Graphics because he ran a printing and graphics uh, store. So he was Steve Printing and Graphics. Sounds like, sounds like Larry King talking about an old Long Island group <laughs> that he used to be with. Yes. We were known as the Atlanta Boys. And we would go to center stage WCW Saturday night tapings and disrupt the hell out of them. (laughs) David Crockett was the one that was like the production supervisor and would constantly send security to tell us to shut up. (laughs) up. (laughs) The greatest moment ever was when Ric Flair made his return to WCW after being with the WWF.
0: Sure, that was around, what, 93? Yes. Yeah.
1: And it was his huge return. Right. Yet you heard and saw the crowd chanting, We want Tex. Tex. And you would see hundreds of signs all saying text in the, in the background as they started taping. They had to shut down the taping and collect 700 text signs, which were printed by Steve's Printing and Graphics. <laughs> As a salute to Tex Slasinger, who, along with Shanghai, Shanghai Pierce, were pretty much a mid-card to low-card yes. tag team, of which, when Tex was in the ring, he would get cheered, but his partner Shanghai would get booed. Yep. <laughs> and David Crockett would go nuts. get the, Tell them to shut up. and We gotta keep... Well, I asked Scott Hudson, who would go on to work with David Crockett at WCW, I said, was he really as much of an idiot as he seems? And Scott assures me that he's one of the nicest guys, that he thought the Atlanta boys were the most hilarious thing he'd seen, and that he knew he shouldn't have been an announcer, but yet he went ahead and did it anyway. And knew that he really sucked as an announcer <laughs> and admits that. So it's, it's good to see that David Crockett <laughs> didn't believe his own hype because, oh my God, it was so difficult to watch this match in particular.
2: <laughs>
0: he, he was bad. I mean, he was Mongo McMichael bad, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And Bob Caudill is, and as you could tell, Bob Caudill, you don't hear his name with Jim Ross all the time. But no. when Jim Ross talks about the greatest announcer, he says Bob Caudill. Yes. And the reason is Bob was a weatherman on, I believe, WXII and came over and uh, along with, uh, with Dave Brown on WMC in Memphis became one of the weather guys who ended up becoming the wrestling announcer on the station. And he oh, think- w- he was absolutely beloved. And he did a great job because he would tell you the story behind the match.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think Bob Cottle is great. Um, yeah, Gordon Soldy gets mentioned a lot more than him. Yeah, and Gordon Soldy is great too. ah uh-uh, brother uh, indeed. Uh, but, um... No, I like... Uh, I don't know. Something about Bob Cottle reminds me of Hank Hill. <laughs> <Like> Hank Hill. <laughs> That's a suplex, boy! I tell you what. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. yeah. But so, yes. Yeah. So, so, so Teresa, when you think about chemistry between two announcers, <laughs> what did you think of
2: their chemistry? <laughs> None. Like like uh, the person that you're talking about. I just forgot his name. Oh my god. David, David Crockett. Crockett. David Crockett. Crockett. Not King of the Wild Uh, Frontier. (laughs) No. He's not King of the Cullen Commentary either. Like, he was just, I don't know, just very repetitive. Like, Like, I drowned him out. Yeah. Like, listening to bad baseball announcers. Yes. Neither of them is the color man. They're
0: both (laughs) trying to be the play-by-play announcer. And that was the problem. Yeah. It doesn't work. Um... Yes. yes, and then finally we get um, the tag team cage match we alluded to mm. earlier in the show. Yeah. Oh, now, th- this, was the, this was the big one. Jay Youngblood Can and I- Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Ricky the, not yet the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, against uh, Don Chernobyl and Sergeant Slaughter.
2: Yes, Teresa? I recall Sergeant Slaughter, and he's not wearing enough camo from my memories. Right. He, like he looked like he was just
1: getting out of a sauna. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, I wrote Jim down. Jim
0: Norton so you know. was essentially wearing his gear earlier in the show, so maybe that's why he wasn't.
2: Uh, now, when... Sorry? No, please. Please. Uh, when the camera, when the second camera goes over and, and Sergeant Slaughter's just on the side of the ring, just sitting there and, like, resting face, he looks like Oliver Hardy frowning.
1: <laughs> he and I was like, I certainly
2: hope so, Stanley." <laughs> I swear to you, I was like, "Is he Hardying right now?" He's just like me. Oh my god!
1: An Oliver Hardy <laughs> reference. Yes. Thank That's you very great. much. Yes, that was fantastic. <laughs> um, we have to tweet right. that out. Oliver Hardy <laughs> <laughs> reference. Yes, in a wrestling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And Don and Kernodle was perfect. way ahead of his time, because if you think of the merchandise that's going on these days, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the t-shirts, Pro Wrestling Tees, AEW Shop, shop uh, WWE Shop, Don Kernodal was out there with the very, very first event t-shirt Yep,
0: yep. Yeah. ever. Iron-on. <laughs> really? I love that. The, the iron on letters saying where the match is taking place and that they're going in as the champions. Um,
1: now, why did every iron on place in America use that same font?
0: I don't know. <laughs> that don't was such an options. 80s thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, okay, we mentioned my favorite Bob Cottle line earlier. Here comes my favorite Jim Crockett line. Or David Crockett. David Crockett, yeah. Okay, um, uh, the, the, there's uh, no disqualifications in this match. It's inside a steel cage, anything goes, anything and everything gro- goes, as the ring announcer said. No time limit, there must be a winner. So, um, Noble and Sergeant Slaughter have their hands taped. It's legal in this match, and uh, Cottle says, uh, they, they have tape around their hands, that's legal, <laughs> and Crockett adds, and they have tape around
1: their fists! Oh. <laughs> hey, their fists are taped!
2: Don't say that. <laughs>
1: and then you get the history of the cage match. Nobody wants to be in this match. Nobody ever wants to be in this match. But guess
2: what? We're in this match. <laughs>
1: Don't uh, they aspire
2: to a cage match? Them. I mean, that's pretty... No, they don't open the show with a cage match. That's some closers no. shit. Can yeah. we swear on this? Yeah. <laughs> it's clo- yes, you <laughs> Closers you get coffee. Did. Yes. Sergeant Slaughter, Don Carnotal, Ricky Steamboat, and Jay Youngblood all getting coffee for this cage match. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. They're closers.
0: Um... But I mean, like, within the reality of wrestling, at least they're selling a, a reason why it's in a cage. You see that far too much nowadays where people just go, it's going to be a cage match for no reason. <laughs> they have a
1: reason here. <laughs> so I'll give them that at least.
0: <laughs>
1: now, you want to talk about ring psychology. You, mm-hmm. uh, and I took probably more notes in this match than any match that we've done on the podcast so far. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Kernodal comes, uh, you know, Kernodal is taking all the heat for the heel team right off the bat. I mean, they were beating the crap out of Kernodal. Right. Now, usually and uh, usually in a build-up to a match, you're going to see the baby faces getting all the crap getting kicked out of them. And it would have been Jay Youngblood because... Uh, uh, Ricky uh, Ricky Steamboat was indeed the 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 big star babyface there. Right. Now, they just abused Kernodal. The first time Sarge comes in, they put him right into the cage. It didn't yep. stop. Yep. Now, when you think of professional wrestling and its psychology, that is telling you one thing that the babyfaces are gonna lose. Yeah. But it didn't Tell that story in this one, because right. it showed just how much. And and I actually listened to. Uh, I'll plug another podcast. I listened to uh, Chris Jericho's podcast this uh, mm-hmm. last week, mm-hmm. and he had Tully and Arn on together. Sure. And they talked about tag team wrestling psychology, and right. they mentioned without mentioning this match they were talking about this match that at one point uh when they had the very first war games match that the psychology of the first war games match was the baby faces had had just enough of the heels so they were going to beat the heck out of them (laughs) yes and that's what war games brought this was that match many years earlier And it was just fascinating to watch the first minutes of this match because of the fact that it was so untraditional at the time.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I mean, and this one also, we were talking earlier in the show about, like, how there's a lot of, like, old school, like, you know, rest holds and stuff.
1: This one gets brutal. Yep. Um,
0: Yeah, these guys beat the hell out of each other.
1: Uh And Kernodal does the blade job of all blade jobs. Uh And you can actually see him doing it as Mm -hmm. he was crossing the ring. He wasn't just down in the corner somewhere. He was about to get hit with something. And you see him blade on his forehead as he's running across the ring. You don't run with scissors, Don Kernodal, And you don't (laughs) run with a razor blade.
2: (laughs) Now, can I ask you both? What do you think about Mm -hmm. cut jobs and stuff like that? Are you in favor of doing Uh, them, or they're not really that necessary? Welcome
1: to our debate. Uh, Those in favor of the cut jobs will be speaking. That will be Max. Those opposed will... No.
0: (laughs) I am not in favor. But see, that's the thing. I'm not in favor of the the blade job. Um, Remember mass transit? Um, That kind of... You know, when I read about that, that kind of turned me off of the blade job forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or when... uh, What's his name? When Ric Flair had to wrestle uh, Marty Jannetty, who was <laughs> half asleep due to blood yep. loss. Yep. yep. So, uh, uh, was, that, was it Marty Jannetty?
1: Oh, no, it might have been Greg Valentine. I'm not sure. Well, but, but the, uh, that one's not this one. You talk about blade jobs, and there are two kinds of blade jobs. Mm-hmm. The blade job that blade you do yourself, yourself? Mm-hmm. and then the blade job you blade do job to you other people the blade job you do to yourself the worst example of this and it's uh, it's amazing to see that he went on to have such a long career being as big as he was was abdullah the butcher
0: yep with the fork
1: if you look at his forehead <laughs> you can see years of blade jobs how he was able to get a blade job. I'm surprised he could not just hit himself in the head and get a blade job. Yeah. Um, the guys who knew how to do it well and precisely to themselves, I never had a problem with that. Okay. Yeah. If That's you are fair. blading someone else and your name is New Jack, you're attempting murder. Yeah. If you are... <laughs> If you are blading someone else and you do not take the care to do it, that's when I have a problem with it and it becomes dangerous. But I will tell you, in the last month and a half, and especially last week on AEW, when you see what blood looks like when it's not a blade job, when uh, Sammy Guevara hits uh, Matt Hardy in the face with a not a regular folding steel chair, but one of the chairs from the ringside at at Daly's place that is full steel hits him right on the nose and what was it, Uh, like 17 stitches or something like that? Something like that, yeah. I think you'd rather blade than get one of those. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's the thing, is that wrestlers all say they'd rather blade than do it the hard way, so, you know.
1: So that was a long answer to a short question, (laughs) Teresa. But That's as right, I am known it. for, long answers oh, yeah. to short questions. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you that if you're going to,
0: to cut yourself and you know how to do it, you know, it's still dubious, but it does look, I mean, it's one of the things where there are certain disgusting practices in wrestling that, as a person I can't condone, but as a wrestling fan I go, but it looks amazing! amazing. Um, we, on this show... We, uh, I at least rack, waxed
1: lyrical about Bret Hart's blade job at WrestleMania 8, so what, what can
0: I say? Um.
1: And when you look at the canvas, first of all, let's remember canvas, Yes, <laughs> <laughs> not the cleanest thing in the world. When you looked at the canvas, or the mat, about two-thirds of the way through this match, which was a very long match, it with really no works, time yeah. limit yeah. the amount of blood that is on that canvas i mean huge puddles of it yes not little yeah. splotches puddles of it mm-hmm. and you wonder how the heck they even got through it yeah. at one point and this is this is me always looking in the background at one point bob Coddle got out of his chair and stood up, leading David Crockett to stand up, and then David Crockett telling Bob Caudle to sit down again because he's blocking the announcers. But I can only imagine that blood splattered all over his chair and the desk at that point, and he was like, I'm not having any of this. Yeah. And that happened to me... um, because I always bring stories back to me. That happened to me at uh, USW, the one of the only USWA taping that I ever did in Memphis for the live show. Right. Uh, it was Jeff Jarrett and Eddie Gilbert, and Jeff was bleeding all over the place, and I came home with my notebook, and my notebook had blood splattered all over it. Nice. It was, but and that's just for a little TV show. Yeah. The effect that it had with these four guys—oh my mm-hmm. gosh! And to make oh, yeah. Bob Cottle stand up and go, "I'm not gonna deal with this." <laughs> you knew there was a lot of blood there. So, as a public service, please give blood, but don't do it in a blade job. Right? <laughs> CBS cares.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, I I really liked this match. Um, and. Um, yeah, like you said, it, it it goes a long time, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel overly long. It doesn't feel boring. Yeah, you have me. a you,
1: you have know? a couple things like the double slam by Kernodal and and uh, Slaughter that you don't see, and then the hold up drop kick by Jay. But then there's some really good psychology, which I I don't know if, if you would have noticed, but a, a sleeper was put on uh, by Steamboat on Sarge, Sergeant Slaughter. Yes. And then Kernodal was in the Cobra Clutch, which went yes. on to become Sarge's finishing hold. Mm-hmm. And it was I Kernodal, it. Having, Kernodal having, to it. having to deal
0: with it. I love that, I love that spot with the, with the double submission holds. That was really cool. Um,
2: yeah. There's a lot uh, of double stuff in the match, like the double yeah. sleeper holds, the double clothesline. Yeah. I like that part of tag team stuff. Yes. And but um, but it, it was all
1: always in the part of tagging. It wasn't a case of okay, we're just going to come in here and do this all the time. Right. The tags right, were so. enforced. Yeah. Not in this match. <laughs> no rules. This uh, is true. Home. But they were still pretty much a tag team. Because, but they were yeah. they were still tagging. Yes. yeah. Um. But,
0: in in fact, at one point, I you know my mind had wandered, and I did wonder why the ref wasn't. Counting one of them out of the ring and realized, oh, rights. Uh, no, ta- no,
1: uh, you know, rules.
0: no rules. <laughs> yes, thank you. No rules, no, no, just, no. Right. just
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> so the finish sees S- Sergeant Slaughter loading up the elbow right. and right. nailing Jay Youngblood, right. Youngblood. and Colonel's on top of him for the pin, and that's got to be the one, two. And then the tape cuts out,
2: and Oh, we I get dug up the rest of the match. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I went. went a, I went a little deeper I saw that, and I was like, "Hey, that's not fair! I want to see what happened here." And it was just like a double switch. So, so uh, somebody was draped over. Uh, Jay Youngblood. Carnival was on Youngblood. Was on Youngblood. Yeah. yeah. Right, and then like the ref like turned around or some something like that, and. Uh, Kernodal was pushed off, and then Jay Youngblood was draped across the top, like they did a switch while the guy wasn't looking. The ref. Ah. And that's all that happened.
1: <laughs>
2: and I was we like, have they literally th- cut fifteen seconds.
0: Yeah,
1: um,
2: and you we have new the
1: tag, the tag team, th- chaps. team chaps. Yep. Yeah.
0: And if, if you read the um, description in the in the video. Uh, On YouTube, he says it's to avoid copyright, that he he sliced out 17 seconds.
2: Mm.
1: Um. See, I didn't even read that. I went Mm. went on another website to go, what the heck
2: happened? That's what I did, too. I was like, uh, I'm sure this exists elsewhere. If it exists here, it's everywhere. I'll (laughs) find it.
1: So, Teresa, (laughs) you actually know that there was one match on this card that wasn't seen.
2: Oh, I know. Because I couldn't really... I couldn't really hear the announcer pronounce the uh, the first couple of matches names, so I looked up who was on the card, and then I saw that Ric Flair and Greg Valentine was not on it because and uh, I read to I went to a website on an article written by Andrew Lutsky. It said it was either skipped for lack of film space because VHS is only recorded two hours, or okay. it was taped over. To save money, which is a thing they used to do with Doctor Who episodes back in the day. Sure. <laughs> sure. So Doctor that's Who why it referenced. doesn't exist. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> if this is really old? a videotape that belonged to uh, Jerry Briscoe, why would he keep the Ric Flair, Greg Valentine video? Right. He's not in it. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's a two hours thing, then he'd be like, I don't know. Cut Ricks. Who cares?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Interestingly enough, on the process of taping over videotapes, the only reason that we have Monty Python's Flying Circus today is because Terry Jones actually bought those tapes from the BBC. They were about to be taped over.
2: Oh,
1: wow. That's great. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so.
1: I, I watched that documentary as well, and it was, it's an excellent documentary on Netflix. Documentary on Netflix. Yes. I, I will give that my recommendation the uh, The Python documentary on Netflix, excellent yes. viewing.
0: But I just always love that story. Yes. Um, that like because you know nobody thought television was worth preserving until videotape existed. You know, well, like at home videotape, I should say. <laughs> um, that's true, um, yeah. They were just like, ah, nobody cares. Yeah, whatever. So it's Rick Flair and Greg Valentine. Wow, that's the match we're missing. <laughs>
2: um, I. It seems like one that shouldn't have gone missing.
1: But then we do, in the DVD extras, get Ric Flair versus Jim Nelson. Yes!
2: I saw that. I was like, Ric Flair's hair was so luxurious back then. Yep, styling and profiling.
0: Yeah, so... um, Okay, so much is explained then by... um, Because this did seem weird. But that. That's um. Um. I'm trying to think of. Oh, speaking of Sgt. Slaughter. That's another thing. Um, the the famous boot camp match, Sgt. Slaughter and the Iron Cheek.
2: Mm-hmm. I love the Iron. Um.
0: Cheek. That was another one. Oh, look up that match; it's brutal. It's great. Um, it's on YouTube. USA. <laughs>
1: that's
0: another one. It was just taped, and they threw to it on an episode of like you know whatever that Saturday morning show they had before Superstars of Wrestling was. Um, uh. You know that like um, Live Wire or something. Livewire like uh, something. Like, no, Livewire was like late '90s, but mm-hmm. it's something like it was something like that, bro, um, bro. Um. <laughs> You know, that, um, right, that they just, so, like, if you look for it on YouTube, the whole card isn't available because they just taped that one match, you know, um, again, just so Vince could stand in the USA Cable Network studio and throw to that match.
1: And then from there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Trace is going, what is he talking about? That was one of Vince's Vince's early catchphrases. Yep. In this very ring, and then from there. What a maneuver.
0: <laughs>
1: we will see the likes of the Iron Sheik from Tehran, Iran. Tehran, Iran. Huh? And Sky Lolo. Listen, <laughs> McMahon, let me tell you something. Tui.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: USA. Ha- USA. <laughs> Iran number one. USSR number one. <laughs> Still the best. Twitter follow ever oh my God, I, was,
2: yes. <laughs> I was gonna say I follow him like everyone else does on Twitter <laughs> yes he's so great <laughs> you're
1: jabroni I would like to sell you you're jabroni
2: <laughs> I call people um, jabroni to this day because it's so good nice. it's perfect
0: uh, the last time we recommended somebody follow him on Twitter uh he did and then follow followed up texted me a day or two later and said Oh my god, I thought he was acting on the, the old Howard Stern show. Like, no, nope, <laughs> that's him. Um, it's pure unfiltered chic. Um, so, yes, NWA Final Conflict. I liked it. I'm, I'm going to say yes to this, this show. I would recommend people watch it, seek it out on YouTube,
2: try and find the extra 17 seconds. It's
1: impossible though.
2: <laughs> no, can, there's it, like right if you search if you go on Google and you search yeah. uh the name of this show, mm-hmm,
1: it's mm-hmm.
2: like the third video after this guy's the Wrestling for Fans guys thing. And mm-hmm. it says the name of the show and it says five out of five and ah. the first half of the video is the last bit of that match and then it's followed yeah, by like a, a weird musical the montage. Was
1: there still a glitch? Yeah, he does like uh, a mm, Go on. There there still was a glitch at the finish, though. At oh, least the one that I watched. Maybe you found a new one.
2: Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, it, it said five out of five, because like, he broke it into five pieces. And mm-hmm, then at right. the after the end, you don't watch everybody walk off for an incredible amount of time. He cuts it off there and then does like a little music montage of them standing around the ring being losers, I guess. Oh. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh. oh okay. I guess he what? only had like the last 17 seconds of the match and then was like I guess I'll fill the time with my jams. <laughs>
1: hmm? But the uh, the heat was so bad on Slaughter and Karnodal at this time. Yeah, that getting them back to the locker room was probably quite a challenge in itself.
0: Yeah, there's there's a legit Greensboro police officer in the crowd escorting them. Um hmm. yeah.
1: I'd like to pardon the uh, guest appearance of my dog, Fred, who apparently has decided that he's going to be uh, David Crockett for this broadcast, and so uh, I will be calling him That's David right, Crockett for the rest of the for the rest You're going to be day. calling your dog
0: David Crockett. That's right. That's right. That's
1: <laughs> right. So, yes, yes, yes. what did you learn? On this show, Teresa, what did you learn about wrestling that you didn't know before?
2: Uh, I learned it mostly, I think, from you two, um, that this was not televised and that the two camera, uh, the way they filmed it, uh, Mm -hmm. was even mildly, right? You said it was mildly, like, new for the time instead of just the one camera?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Did you enjoy the show? I really enjoyed it. Being the
1: person you are today.
2: I really did enjoy it. I liked, um, it gave me like a good case of the member (laughs) berries. I was like, (laughs) I was like, Sergeant Slaughter, I remember, I remember. And then I was like, he's not wearing camo. Oh, this is before that. Okay. I'm still on board. (laughs) Yeah, no,
0: that's I'm I'm so glad to hear that because we talked about doing a show from the '70s, mm. which we still might. Um, oh, that would be quite interesting, probably.
1: Yeah, no, actually, you even talked about doing one from from the the late '50s, early '60s, heavyweight right. wrestling from Washington.
2: That's the one, that's the one I was thinking <laughs> of. Oh, now that I'd be yeah, very that's interested the
0: one, in seeing. That that's the one I was thinking of, and, and and like, you know, I said we have to get another like wrestling nerd in here to do that because there's no way a casual fan would want to watch an hour of that. Um, so um, maybe they would if you know, you're willing to watch an N.W.A. show from 1983, which is probably different from your, what you're used
1: to seeing. But that's well. not what we're going to see next week, is it? No. <laughs> next week we've got a Smoky Mountain show. Smoky Mountain Thanksgiving Thunder 1993 And just let me tell you, boys and girls, and any non-binary pals we might have out there, you're going to want to listen to the commentary of the first two matches. Uh, That's right, I said the first two matches, (laughs) because you will not believe what we will be talking about, especially match number two. Okay.
2: So <laughs> I feel that's like a that's nice an announcer foreshadowing. <laughs> um, I think,
0: um, now wait, Smoke, no, I'm thinking of Ohio Valley. Correct. So, never mind. Um, I was going to say, is that the one that was funded by Rick Rubin? But I think that was Ohio Valley. Um, yes, I was going to ask if anybody knows anybody from a hip-hop podcast to uh, send them my way <laughs> so we can talk about it. <laughs> Um anyway, yes, so Teresa, please yes. put yourself and your work over. Where can people
2: find you and contact you and all that stuff? Uh you can listen to one of two podcasts. Uh we do Last God Standing and that's where me and my friend Danny uh rate and review all of the gods, one pantheon at a time. We're currently doing the Greek gods. Uh, if okay. you're wondering who the god of modern wrestling would be, it's Apollo. Ah. Nice. Boy, was he a showman. Like, he would have been like the ravishing Rick Root of this operation. Ooh. Nice. He's I the, Is he the
1: one that we see at the start of the Memphis wrestling every week? <laughs> 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 there's, there's this, uh, Teresa, if you don't know, Memphis wrestling mm. for, <laughs> for 30-some years would have a statue of two Greeks wrestling, as the start of, the, of their show, with the uh, with the two thousand one space odyssey in the background, and it, when it would go, Tana, the word wrestling would show up on the screen, and
2: that was their open. <laughs> that's that's so odd and random and great then.
1: And what's uh, your other it's, podcast?
0: It's 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 a really homoerotic statue too. <laughs> Just how
2: Apollo would like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that one is at pod they're both at podbean so last god standing at podbean.com and the other one is me and my friend Lenny we review all the episodes of Stargate all the Stargates. Nice. But we are in the middle of SG1 right now season 2 and we're on Twitter at zpm stargate but for americans that's a z so it's just zp uh zpm but it's filmed mostly in canada so it means zero point module but they say Z instead of i z, so love so that you said pm <laughs> <laughs> zpm stargate that's where i'm more active and okay. uh the show holds up it's over 20 years old <laughs> wow. wow yeah that's true
0: um do you do the feature films as well or, or just the show
2: We did the first movie as our first episode, and we'll do the SG-1 movies, uh, Continuum, and whatever the other one was.
0: Okay.
1: Cool. Well, it was an absolute joy having you on the podcast today. Yes, it
0: was. Thank you very
2: much for joining us. And thank you for putting up with my David Crockett. Uh, (laughs) I'm so glad you guys invited me. Oh, thank you. Okay, and we
0: are on the Twitter at WKIFpod. I I am individually on Twitter at MinimusMaxM. That Twitter is not safe for work. It's 18+. So view it at your own discretion. But uh, the WKIFpod Twitter is open to all people.
1: And I'm on MySpace at... Oh, never mind.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. And uh, until next week... Keep it kayfabe. Bye-bye.